Welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell show. I am, as usual, Jodell, and I am so excited to have Dr. Ray Pete with me today. And he's someone you're about to come to love just as I do. And he graciously is sharing his time with me today over the phone. Um, you will be amazed at the knowledge that he is about to drop, I'm sure, the laundry list of credentials this man holds, as well as um, just his passion for helping people. Well, let's just say it's more than you or I could ever dream of holding. So Dr. Pete has a Ph.D. in biology from the University of Oregon, specializing in physiology. He has taught at the University of Oregon, Urbana College, Montana State University, National College of Naturopathic Medicine, uh, the Universidad Veracruzana, and the Universidad Autonoma del Estado de Mexico, so I'm, hopefully I pronounced those right, and Blake College as well, and over the years has worked with many private um, clients with nutritional counseling. And he started his research in 1968, so long before any of us so-called nutrition nerds who make videos on YouTube, myself included, were even born, (laughs) mainly regarding progesterone and the hormones closely related to it as protectors of the body's structure and energy against harmful effects of estrogen, radiation, stress, and lack of oxygen. I'm not done yet. He also is an editor and writer of his famous newsletter he puts out as well as the author for some fantastic uh, quick reads when you have a moment, one of which is my favorite, Nutrition for Wisdom. He's also an artist, and some of his artwork, as well as his amazing blog posts, can be seen at raypeat.com. So, <laughs> Dr. Pete, I'm so excited to speak with you today. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Oh, good. Um, so will you please tell my listeners briefly what got you into this passion you have for all things related to stress, hormones, thyroid, and really helping people feel more optimal? Uh, in the 1950s and 60s, I was uh, interested in, in psychology and language, and uh, I, I started a school in Mexico, Blake College, uh, and uh, in that was just a, a general liberal arts school for both uh, United States uh, students and local Mexican students. But uh, in the process, I, I noticed that lots of the local people in Mexico were eating a very bad diet. Uh, and uh, uh, a couple of, of uh, my friends uh, had family members who were very sick and uh, Having read Adele Davis's books, uh, I suggested some of her nutritional therapies. Uh, for example, uh, a friend's nephew had been in the hospital for two or three days with diarrhea that they couldn't control. And uh, uh, the third day, I think, was they said she wouldn't live the night. And at that point, my friend uh, decided there was no harm in trying the uh, vitamin B6 supplement that uh, was one of uh, Adele Davis's recommendations Mm -hmm. for uh, uh, diarrhea. Uh, He he gave the little kid this 10 milligram tablet of vitamin B6 and within the hour her diarrhea had stopped. Uh, She was recovered uh, in just a couple of days. Uh, No no more problems. Just uh, a, a single Vitamin uh, did what did what the whole hospital staff uh, couldn't manage with mm. intravenous treatments and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I realized that uh, a lot of uh, information wasn't getting into the medical system. Uh, I decided uh, after coming back to the U.S. to study biology. Uh, instead of uh, just the humanities, uh, language, psychology, and literature. Uh, And in graduate school, uh, I I ran into the same dogmatism uh, and uh, ignoring uh, the the really important practical information. Uh, I had planned to study brain biology, but I saw that the Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, looking through the whole uh, universe. 
reproductive physiology department was actually doing open research trying to discover what causes the infertility of aging and what the real factors in fertility and maintaining pregnancy are. So I shifted from brain biology to reproductive physiology. And in examining what the factors are that make it possible for a fertilized ovum to develop the whole organism and a nervous system, I found that the brain is governed and formed by the same factors that govern the question of fertility or infertility. It's a very simple sort of a spectrum. The same things that cause infertility cause bad development of the brain. The brain is really the most sensitive part of the organism and the same factors that make it healthy make it possible for the ovum to implant in the uterus. So I concentrated on the factors that are regulated by those hormones of fertility. And I realized that the drug industry at that time already for almost 30 years had been propagandizing the public with the idea that estrogen is the female hormone. And in our lab, we saw that estrogen was the contraceptive hormone, not the hormone of fertility and pregnancy. The drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry knew that estrogen made a good contraception pill. It was actually causing abortions, but they didn't want to call it the abortion pill. So they called it the anti-conception pill. And the real hormone of fertility and brain development turns out to be progesterone, which works by providing energy to the developing embryo in the form of oxygen and glucose primarily, making energy most efficiently by oxidizing glucose. And estrogen is just one of the factors that interrupts that process. Estrogen creates a local sort of inflammation in the uterus, a kind of wound that will allow the ovum to be embedded in the tissue. But if the estrogen stays dominant, it kills the ovum. So the function of progesterone is to knock the estrogen out of the tissue and shift that wound physiology or local stress inflammatory physiology into a supportive oxidative sugar-rich environment. Wow, that is, it's not at all what we've been taught. You know, even from a young age, I was always taught the importance of estrogen, but now we can clearly see, based on what you're saying, that it is like propaganda, what you mentioned. So a lot of your work is done around uh, these specific hormones like progesterone, but also when the reason I really got interested in your work is because you talk so much about stress and how it affects our system. And, I mean, would you say that stress is really the driving factor behind most disease and that it contributes to the rise in estrogen? The way I define stress, I would say that it is the factor in all disease. If you define it as a mismatch between organism and environment, then even the so-called genetic diseases are, for example, if you have sickle cell anemia in your genes, it happens that in Africa that's a detectable 
that environment. But when you don't have that environment, then it shows up as a disease that when you're under stress, the cells change shape and, and cause uh, pain and, and sickness and possibly death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the, the genetic diseases turn out to be a disease of stress when the environment isn't properly supportive. So, so you can see even genetic and infectious diseases as, as a matter of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you have good nutrition, <clears throat> uh, then uh, the various bacteria in the environment won't, won't cause dysentery, for example, mm-hmm. uh, because your immune system takes care of them and, and uh, stops the whole inflammatory process. And inflammation is the uh, basic factor in, in why stress causes disease. And it's almost uh, entirely overlooked uh, as, as a factor in, in stress. Now it's coming to be recognized as a, 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 a matter of all kinds of disease, uh, heart disease, and obesity, for example, are seen to originate with a stress physiology. But uh, what, what they're missing is that uh, stress leads to inflammation, and that leads to the various uh, specific diseases. Wow. And when you say stress, you're not really just talking about like day-to-day living stress. You're talking about environmental stressors like radiation, you're talking about pollutants, you're talking about um, the emotion, uh, the emotional stress, the mental stress, and all of that environmental stress together, right? Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's when the environment is putting demands on you that you don't have the internal resources to meet smoothly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, an 18 or 20-year-old person who is well-fed uh, can uh, meet all kinds of uh, changes of weather and climate and uh, physical demand, work, uh, exertion, and so on, without any stress at all. Uh, that same activity uh, would kill uh, someone who wasn't well-nourished or maybe who was uh, 80 or 90 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the, the matter of what kind of resources you have internally in proportion to the stress. Yeah. Um, how, can you help us understand, like, these stressors of our modernized society, like we, like I mentioned, like radiation and even artificial light and things like that that can stress our system? Um, what, what, are, what are all of the things, like, in our modernized society that have led to this, this stress as the main driving factor behind disease? Um, the... In this industry, uh, the, the drug industry, but uh, uh, all kinds of technological uh, industries have tried to cover up the fact uh, that they are causing not only uh, the disease of the people uh, exposed to their products and byproducts, but even to the, the offspring, descendants of those people that they're exposing. Uh, so there's a big propaganda uh, uh, movement over the last hundred years to uh, try to convince the public uh, that, that pollution is not harmful. Uh, uh, Fifty years, sixty years ago, the government was had a campaign to tell people that radiation was good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably heard that. Yeah. Uh, hormesis is the idea, radiation hormesis mm-hmm. or poison hormesis, uh, uh, that a little poison is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that is a, a perversion of, of the idea of, of stress. Uh, a teenager meeting a challenge, see, seeing... Uh, for example, a tennis game competition or uh, uh, swimming a certain distance and so on, uh, meeting a challenge that is interesting actually builds your body mm-hmm. and abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a, a, a goal to, to build something, you develop your skills in 
doing it. So you are becoming more in, in meeting that challenge. That, that is not a stress. Uh, a stress is something that, uh, a demand that's put on you that you didn't ask for and that you don't have the ability to, to do easily right. and, and with pleasure. So when, there, when pleasure isn't involved in the action, uh, it's probably going to be uh, harmful to you in some way. Uh, so, so just doing a boring and stupid job, <laughs> uh, many people uh, spend their lives doing, that is poisoning your tissues constantly uh, because you're not getting pleasure out of, out of the activity. I read that in um, Hans Selye's book, Stress Without Distress. Um, he That was one of the main sentences that I underlined when I was reading that book, was how the stress that we're under has a lot to do with the fact that many people live these lives um, trying to appease you know, their parents or this job that they think they should do but they really don't like. And at the end of their life, they're left frustrated and more stressed than ever, and they usually die of disease because of the, the chronic um, day-in and day-out life of something they didn't choose and they didn't want to live and it was miserable <laughs> existence and they didn't serve a purpose. So... I mean, I don't think people think about how that is a stressor, too, just doing a job that you don't love. Uh, do you, did you uh, ever hear about the uh, the rat studies in which they uh, en- enriched their environment, gave them toys and uh, things to play with and, and explore, uh, versus the rats that lived in ordinary little rat cages uh, and what happened to their brains? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the early 1960s at the University of California, Marion Diamond and several other people were, uh, they found that the uh, environment uh, richness caused the brain to function better. Uh, the rats that had a, a playpen rather than a, a, a little box to live in uh, solved problems better. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wondered why the brains uh, were functioning better. They found that their enzymes had had changed uh, very distinctly. And uh, when they uh, let those animals reproduce, their babies had bigger brains and were again more intelligent than the parents. So it's an inheritable uh, uh, brain uh, improvement. That happens just by having an enjoyable uh, uh, daily uh, routine uh, or lack of routine, uh, daily little uh, novel experiences, uh, entertaining things to discover. Uh, uh, The rats had playground equipment like uh, swings and slides (laughs) and balls and things. (laughs) And uh, more recently... uh, it, it has been found that the in, enriched environment rats not only had bigger, more intelligent brains, but they their whole bodies uh, were producing more progesterone. And more recently still, they were found to have lower levels of estrogen. Hmm. Um, back, back in the, the 70s, Miriam Diamond found that... Uh, if you gave animals a supplement of progesterone, their brains were bigger. And if you gave them, uh, when, when the mother was pregnant, if you gave her estrogen, their brains were shrunken because it stopped stopped the growth by causing stress. Wow. Okay, so what you're saying is this enjoyment um, is what I call vitamin P, pleasure, passion, purpose. And I feel like there are a lot of people that are just doing a job and not living a passion or a purpose. But that's one thing that drew me to you is you can tell that what you're doing is a passion and it certainly serves a purpose. Um, And I found you um, almost two years ago when I went through a really bad toxic mold exposure and my thyroid was hugely affected by that exposure. So it was a huge stressor on my body, even though I live a life that's pretty happy and I love my job and everything, but my stress came from that environmental stress of like it completely tore apart my body, it completely broke down my thyroid just from that toxic mold exposure that took about a year and a half to um, bring my system back for, to full health from. So 
how does the thyroid, I know you talk a lot about the thyroid and you're pretty passionate about it, how does the thyroid get affected by chronic stress or even acute stressors like a toxic mold? Um, I, I was talking about the, the polarity and fertility and brain development of mm-hmm. estrogen and progesterone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the background, uh, the oxidative sugar metabolism that is controlled by on, on the uh, cell level by estrogen and progesterone. In the background, it requires thyroid hormone uh, to work. Uh, you, you don't have any oxygen metabolism without thyroid. Right. So, so that's the without which not uh, the progesterone operates. And when someone uh, cultured uh, took a slice of thyroid gland, put it in a, in a culture dish, and added <clears throat> hormones to it, uh, they, they saw that if you added progesterone, the thyroid gland secreted the active thyroid hormone. It activated enzymes causing the uh, thyroid, thyroglobulin uh, or colloid that's stored in the cell Yeah, I was just amazed at how, like, my the, my thyroid being damaged led to things like I had never had cellulite before, and in three months' time of an exposure to mold, I went the back of my legs went from completely smooth to completely cellulite-ridden. What what was the mechanism behind that? Um, well, the, the um, when your thyroid isn't adequate, uh, um, regardless of how much estrogen is in your tissue, uh, your cells act as if they are under the influence of estrogen. Okay. Uh, something I found in, in my uh, research at the university was that estrogen's effects can't be distinguished uh, biochemically. The, the metabolic effects can't be distinguished from the effects of radiation, x-rays, or suffocation, the elimination of oxygen, mm-hmm. or, or uh, poisoning with cyanide or other things that, that poison your oxidative system. Uh, and uh, interestingly, uh, at that time, uh, people had already identified polyunsaturated fatty acids as the source of age pigment. Mm-hmm. And estrogen and radiation and oxygen deprivation all accelerate the formation of age pigment, mm. uh, causing the polyunsaturated fatty acids uh, to uh, spontaneously oxidize and, and turn into a, a pigment which in itself consumes and wastes oxygen. Uh, so that got me interested in what the chronic exposure to polyunsaturated fats in the diet is doing to people. Uh, and uh, poisons uh, such as your mold poisoning, uh, all these poisonings of uh, different uh, uh, sources, chemically or physically, they all 
like estrogen in in that they poison your ability to use oxygen. Wow. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Like, I didn't even think about it really being like an estrogen in my body. And that makes complete sense because estrogen does put weight on your body, and I changed nothing. In fact, I exercised the same, I ate the exact same, and yet I kept putting on weight, and I was like, this is not me, like, I'm a, I'm a nutritionist, I know how to heal my body, I know how to feed my body, and yet nothing was working, it was like I was fighting a losing battle, so that's so interesting that the mold actually acted like an estrogen. Are there other things that also act like estrogens in our body, too? I know there's xenoestrogens and, like, obesogens and things like BPA plastics and stuff, but maybe there's other things that people don't think of that are acting like like estrogens. In, in the 1930s, uh, soot was found to be highly estrogenic, and uh, uh, that explained why, why smoke is such a carcinogen. Uh, it, it acts simply as a very intense estrogen. Mm. Uh, from from a, a gob of, of black uh, soot, you can extract uh, many different estrogens uh, that work just like uh, synthetic estrogens and uh, some of some of the uh, research uh, companies were uh, using uh, soot derivatives to discover new uh, estrogen products tamoxifen uh, the, the anti-estrogen so-called which itself has some estrogen effects uh, it grew out of that research of uh, why why soot is estrogenic uh, and uh, any any irritant, anything that stimulates the cell uh, so intensely that the oxidative uh, system can't keep up, or anything that interrupts the use of oxygen. Uh, my recent newsletter uh, on particulate, uh, especially nanoparticles, uh, much smaller, like a tenth the size of a bacteria or smaller, uh, these things are... Uh, some of them occur naturally uh, in sandstorms and such, uh, but uh, industry, uh, smoke output, uh, traffic, uh, the friction of, of tires on pavement, uh, the condensed, uh, condensed materials from uh, the smoke of, of uh, vehicle traffic, uh, and uh, not only these somewhat uh, natural uh, 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 powdered materials put into the atmosphere, but uh, the, the industry has discovered that uh, nanoparticles uh, are very convenient additives to, for example, thicken shampoo and toothpaste, mm-hmm. even the thicken food, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, it's uh, permitted uh, to use them as food additives, but when they're absorbed through the lungs or through the intestine or even through the skin, uh, they uh, enter cells and as an insoluble particle, if they have uh, just the right shape, they act as a constant stimulating irritant to the cell, and that sort of... uh, disproportion between stimulation or irritation and the ability to supply energy, that has an estrogenic and potentially carcinogenic action. Wow. And some of these um, toxins in our environment you're talking about, would those also be in supplements? Oh, that's that's a horrifying thing that uh, some of the uh, titanium dioxide and silicon dioxide. Uh, some of it is larger particles, which are not so toxic, but but still not safe. But uh, th- these, even though they think they're putting in a, a larger uh, granular material, uh, these very often contain the nanoparticles uh, that are extremely toxic. Uh, and if you look at ingredients uh, of uh, vitamins, minerals, uh, all kinds of, of supplements and drugs, you very often see one or the other or both, titanium dioxide and silica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something to watch out for, for sure. 
So I, that's why I really like um, Georgie's supplements, the Idea Labs, because he, you know, he uses ingredients that are not, none of those contain any sort of silica or anything that's really potentially harmful. So I appreciate his stuff, and I know that you probably do as well. Uh, an example of, of what the particles are known to do for just about 100 years, vaccines have been found to be more active in promoting immunity if they contain aluminum hydroxide, mm. which forms these very tiny particles which activate inflammation, a generalized inflammation produced by those particles arouses your body to become immune to whatever uh, germ antigen happens to be present at the same time. Uh, so the, the medical industry has known for a hundred years that nanoparticles uh, promote uh, inflammation, but uh, uh, they're very reluctant to uh, acknowledge that we should be taking them out of our food rather than putting them in. Yeah, so there's that stressor again, and then stress is again going to elevate the estrogen as well, and people wonder why we're getting fatter as a nation, so that's interesting too. And talking about that, like, okay, so let's talk diets. Are there diets out there that are actually um, estrogenic too? Are there certain diets that are kind of popular these days that could actually be hurting people as far as promoting estrogen versus helping them? Um, yeah, the polyunsaturated fats. Uh, are uh, uh, made more active by estrogen, but they in themselves uh, intensify estrogen mm. activity. Uh, even without estrogen, uh, you'll get estrogen-like effects from from any uh, free radical injury, for example. But you have this uh, very strong interaction. The estrogen that you have is made more intense by the presence of especially the uh, omega minus 3 uh, fatty acids, but, but uh, both uh, minus 6 and minus 3 uh, polyunsaturated fats uh, promote the effects of estrogen. And uh, uh, it's been known for about 40 years that uh, their carcinogenicity uh, involves interaction with the estrogen system. Mm. And so what are the most of offending um, PUFAs or polyunsaturated fats, which would, would you say that are the most offending that people are regularly consuming? Uh, well, the, the, uh, around 1950, uh, the food industry had a lot of cottonseed oil that w was otherwise would have been wasted because uh, it was no longer needed for the paint industry when petroleum chemistry uh, started producing uh, paint bases. Uh, so the seed oils uh, were turned into uh, an American uh, basic food material uh, in the 1950s uh, to dispose of industrial waste, really. Uh, but it became a, a big industry telling people uh, that they were essential nutrients and not only essential but they were yet somehow to be uh, uh, therapeutic preventing heart disease uh, so uh, they called it the heart protective diet high in the omega minus 6 fatty acids but a big study with veterans uh, found that not only cancer but heart disease itself uh, was increased uh, by eating the so-called heart protective diet with the uh, so-called essential fatty acids. That was the turning point uh, where people uh, started uh, turning against uh, the N-6 fats as the essential fatty acids and turning towards the N-3 uh, characterized by fish oil, for example, but produced by algae. Um, uh, since about 1970, there has uh, been recognition that the, uh, the soy oil, uh, cottonseed oil, safflower seed oil, uh, 
marching uh, and so from birth to age 20 there's only a slow accumulation of polyunsaturated fat in the brain but when the, the growth process slows off around the age of 20 the, the food fats tend to accumulate in the fatty tissue and in the brain which is uh, uh, the, the, most of the substance is fat rather than protein in the brain uh, and so from the age of 20 to uh, middle age uh, there's a, a steady increase of the N-3 uh, fats in the brain uh, and in proportion to the uh, the amount of uh, PUFA in the brain, especially N-3, the metabolic rate, the oxidative metabolism, slows down. So a baby's brain is oxidizing at a very high speed, and uh, the first few years of life, uh, kids are extremely uh, capable of learning. Uh, by the first grade, a kid knows about 6,000 words uh, of their native language. But if you ask uh, someone to learn uh, that, that many uh, words of a foreign language, uh, it, it, it's going to be a lot slower at an older age. Uh, uh, at the age of 20, uh, learning and oxidative uh, metabolism both start declining at a, a faster rate and go on for the rest of, of the person's life with the, the decline of cognitive ability corresponding to the decline of oxidative metabolism and being in proportion to the accumulated polyunsaturated fats in the brain. They're, they're stored in the form of esters with cholesterol. One of their functions that is harmful is that they uh, interfere with the natural function of cholesterol in the brain, which is a normal stabilizing factor in the brain. Wow. And I think if people will realize that the first food for baby is actually breast milk, which is 50 to 60 percent saturated fat, they would see that if there was a creator that was willing to um, devise that our first food is saturated fat, they'd see that the polyunsaturateds really don't have a place for us, correct? Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, um, the amount of proof in a mother's uh, blood corresponds uh, pretty closely to the amount of estrogen. Mm. Uh, so if, if she uh, has uh, too much estrogen, uh, she won't produce enough milk. Uh, estrogen uh, uh, it, it has been used pretty widely to uh, uh, stop lactation for women who don't want to breastfeed. But uh, in proportion to the uh, estrogenicity, uh, the, the woman is experiencing her, her blood will be enriched with polyunsaturated fats. Wow. And so, okay, one other thing then. So we talked diet and certain foods, but what about people that are actually doing that diet of intermittent fasting to where they're fasting regularly and not eating? What kind of stressor is that on the system? Is it something that's beneficial or not? Um eating a very bad diet, uh, not eating it, it is beneficial in the sense that you're, you're not poisoning yourself during that time. Uh, but uh, there are, uh, you have to um, consider the, the context, such as uh, how good is the diet that you're not eating. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the hours of uh, darkness usually are the hours uh, when people are, are careful not to eat if, if they're in that system. And uh, blood sugar normally falls during the hours of darkness, and the, that is compensated by a rise in the free fatty acids in the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And those, uh, uh, that's the, the same 
pattern that happens when you're under stress in the daytime. Mm. Uh, anytime you uh, are having more uh, stimulation or irritation or uh, burden of, of uh, work demand, for example, uh, then you have stored glycogen uh, as energy to meet it. Uh, when the glycogen is depleted, you are forced to uh, mobilize free fatty acids from storage and to start oxidizing those for energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, that uh, requires more oxygen uh, per unit of energy produced. And so it, it uh, tends to create a, 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 a deficiency of glucose that leads to a waste of glucose because the, the fat uh, metabolism is a strain on the ability to deliver oxygen to the system. And when you aren't getting enough oxygen to the system, your body recognizes that the problem is that you aren't oxidizing glucose. And so it starts turning protein to glucose. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that lactic acid rises even in a diabetic, for example, whose problem is exactly that they can't oxidize glucose. Uh, lactic acid, uh, which is a waste of, of glucose, uh, it appears in the blood. When, when you're under stress, the, the rise of lactic acid is, is a good indicator of how much stress you're under. But every night, uh, as you uh, mobilize free fatty acids, uh, as your uh, stored glycogen runs out, uh, you start going into this uh, stress state, producing lactate, uh, and uh, that causes progressive damage uh, of the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. And uh, aging, uh, if you look at the, the, uh, the, the loss of bone matter in, in women, uh, especially uh, in the 30s and 40s, the, the bone that's being destroyed shows up in the urine as calcium. Uh, most of the day's bone destruction, uh, which, which is just one one sign of the aging degenerative process, most of the calcium shows up in the morning urine, mm -hmm. showing that the aging and, and degeneration happens during the night. And that stress physiology during the night is because uh, we have run out of, of glycogen. Mm -hmm. And the longer you go without eating, uh, the, the more you tend to rely on, on the uh, inefficient uh, fat oxidation rather than uh, glycogen and uh, glucose. And a lot of people might be interested to hear that you are not really a fan of fat burning like for energy. Like, So talk to me about that. I love your philosophy behind it, um, but I want to hear it straight from you. Um, if, if you uh, look at the, the difference between a, a woman's blood tests and a man's, uh, most people would say, uh, since men have bigger muscles and bigger bones, uh, you would assume that men have more growth hormone in their blood than women do. But someone uh, recently uh, saw that the, the methods used in testing growth hormone that showed that women having maybe twice as much growth hormone as men, uh, that was a mistaken technology. They found an 80 times greater uh, growth hormone in women than in men. Mm -hmm. uh, this is an effect of estrogen. Mm -hmm. Estrogen uh, it causes a chronically high mobilization of free fatty acids in the blood, and that is compensated uh, by this extremely high production of growth hormone that is uh, why, why women are to a great extent protected from that chronic exposure but uh, that's an effect of, of um, estrogen dominance uh, and so to the extent that you can minimize that you can uh, reduce that uh, uh, fat uh, oxidizing uh, 
And so in that manner, you're more of a fan of the glucose system. So you actually advocate for people taking in um, things that will build their glycogen and consuming carbohydrates because carbohydrates make carbon dioxide in our body. And can you tell us, you know, these are maybe some ways we can start mitigating some of the stress and maybe how many people have been on these low-carb diets that have kind of become part of the problem and maybe what they could do to mitigate some of the stress, and maybe it starts with having some forms of sugar, yes? Uh, yes. Um, at, in, at the end of the 19th century, uh, first a doctor in Paris and then one in England uh, cured uh, several of their patients by feeding them as much sugar as they desired. Uh, the traditional method uh, they saw patients wasting away with diabetes uh, and craving sugar, uh, they, they called it the sugar disease, and so uh, they would uh, lock away the sugar and uh, feed them uh, fat and meat, and, and uh, they, they wouldn't assimilate it properly, and they would die. Uh, and these two doctors found that feeding them as much sugar as they craved, which would be about 12 ounces a day, uh, of highly refined pure sugar just added to a regular diet cured their patients. Mm. Uh, and uh, if, if you look at the uh, function of the uh, beta cells in the pancreas that make insulin, free fatty acids kill those cells. Mm. Uh, and the free fatty acids are, are mobilized when you aren't having uh, either sugar in the blood or the ability to oxidize the sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, so the presence of free fatty acids is constantly killing the beta cells, which are constantly uh, regenerating as far as there is uh, glucose available. But glucose is a factor which supports the regeneration and differentiation of new insulin-producing cells. Uh, and so what these... Uh, the French and English doctors 140 years ago uh, discovered was was that uh, the, the, the function, uh, all of their normal sugar-regulating functions came back when they interrupted that uh, destructive process of uh, what happens when, when you're craving sugar because you are using it inefficiently. I, I'm just so happy to hear you say that because it's so common sense if people will think about it since every cell of our body requires and especially the brain runs off of glucose. That's its preferred fuel. But the mainstream now you're hearing is keto and low carb and all of that. And yet the people that are coming to me off of keto and low carb are saying, I'm exhausted. I don't feel well. I can't handle stress. I can't work out anymore. I love eating low carb, but I don't know if it's working for me anymore. Anymore. What would you say to that? Uh, the, the brain and muscles, as, as well as the liver, have to store glycogen to work. And if you're forced to uh, uh, make glucose to uh, put back into those stores, uh, you're doing it at the expense of some part of your body uh, turning muscle tissue into glucose, for example, will keep you alive, but it's uh, degrading uh, all of your functional tissues to uh, use them to make glycogen. Mm -hmm. And without glycogen, uh, your brain, uh, basically it's what happens uh, when a person is deprived of sleep. If they're kept awake, uh, they start becoming uh, confused, uh, uh, can't can't think properly, uh, and uh, uh, finally w would die if they didn't uh, get back to sleep. But, but the sleep is a, a process that allows the glycogen to be restored so that the brains can start functioning on, on a pure glucose uh, uh, regime. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm living proof of that because anytime I've ever done, even for a healing phase like of keto um, or carnivore, I did carnivory for a while just to try to heal because I was at a loss of how to heal from the toxic mold. And my sleep always suffered, but the minute I added carbs back in, it was like all of a sudden my sleep would just dial itself back in. So isn't that so interesting that our body really is telling us in so many ways? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Mentioning the the meat eating, uh, that's a very uh, important side of what's going on uh, when when you're uh, messing, interfering with the glucose metabolism. The... uh, a parathyroid gland is activated to secrete its hormone by phosphate, and meat has a, an extremely high uh, concentration of phosphorus relative to calcium. Mm-hmm. Uh, beans and grains are, are similar, mm-hmm. extreme uh, phosphate excess. Uh, green vegetables and milk, which is made from green vegetables, ultimately. Uh, The cows uh, harvest the uh, magnesium and calcium-rich leaves Mm -hmm. and put that into the milk. Uh, uh, So milk has a a very favorable uh, high calcium to phosphate ratio, and that suppresses calcium, uh, suppresses the parathyroid hormone Mm -hmm. uh, while uh, phosphate activates it. Vitamin D is needed for calcium to do that. Uh, And uh, the parathyroid hormone, when it's high, it mobilizes calcium out of your bones. That happens primarily during the night and is accelerated with aging. Um, uh, The uh, action of taking calcium out of your bones happens to put it into the soft tissues, into your muscles, blood vessels, Mm. heart, brain, everything, all the soft tissues tend to calcify as your uh, uh, diet is not getting enough calcium and magnesium and vitamin D, uh, but getting too much uh, uh, phosphate relatively. And uh, the um, this mismanagement of calcium goes into the mitochondria, does almost exactly the same thing that the polyunsaturated fats do. Uh, in fact, the high parathyroid hormone uh, activates the uh, rancidity of uh, PUFA, N-6 and N-3 mm-hmm. fatty acids degenerate when, when your uh, parathyroid hormone is high. And low thyroid function increases your thyroid-stimulating hormone, uh, and the, the whole process of, of being hypothyroid and uh, activating your pituitary, uh, that synergizes with the parathyroid hormone. Uh, so you really can't think of thyroid function and parathyroid function uh, uh, separately. Uh, apparently, that's why they're why the glands are located in the same place because mm-hmm. they're handling the same physiology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the TSH activates your parathyroid hormone, uh, and uh, uh, both of those uh, are, are reflecting an imbalance in your diet. Too much PUFA, too much phosphate, and uh, that's exactly what a lot of the fad diets are, are emphasizing. Uh, meat and, and uh, nuts and grains, for example, rather than uh, uh, green vegetables, fruits, uh, and milk. That's, you know, it's almost like I had to listen to my body because when I did the carnivore approach, I felt better, but it, there was a, there came a point in time when my body was telling me, you have to start eating differently. You have to start stop eating so much meat and you have to add in some seasonal variation of carbohydrates. So that's what I did and that's when the healing really began. So, I mean, the, I felt like the carnivore approach helped me initially, but then it, I felt like I knew inherently what I needed to do. And you mentioned like the... Um, you know, avoiding the PUFAs and and also, like, increasing our sugar consumption. But as far as, like, lifestyle, dietary, um, environmental things, what can we do to start, start mitigating some of this stress and people can really begin to heal? What would your recommendations be? Um, uh, frequent 
snacks, uh, not letting yourself uh, go too long without eating mm-hmm. is uh, something that's helpful. Uh, having uh, s- some fruit and uh, milk or cheese uh, at-, at hand so you don't don't get too hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but um, getting enough sunlight is yeah. helpful. It, it um, the, the long waves, the red and orange waves that penetrate right through your, your tissues, uh, reduce the free radicals that are produced by by PUFA and too much phosphate and so on. Uh, and the ultraviolet uh, makes the vitamin D that helps you handle sugar and calcium. Yes, and what about like lifestyle strategies? What do you recommend for people as far as mitigating the stress lifestyle-wise? Uh, the, the most important thing is to uh, figure out what is important in your life and work towards doing what you really think is important mm-hmm. and uh, uh, considering uh, uh, the necessities, uh, uh, the horrible work, you might have to do uh, consider that as uh, only a stepping stone to uh, doing something more more sane and productive. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it, find beauty appreciation in everything because even if it's a job that you can't get out of that you don't love, at least you can know that it's providing for your family and you can look at it with a positive attitude. So that's really uh, yeah. Great. If you can, if you can have some kind of a perspective uh, in the long range uh, that is meaningful for your life. Uh, That can uh, make the uh, stress attached to the the, the immediate things uh, disappear as long as you're well fed and have the energy to maintain that long range vision. Yeah, for sure. And what about, since you talk about the importance of the thyroid and how important it is, um, what what in order to kind of help our thyroids function more optimally? What would you recommend? Uh, the most important thing is to uh, completely eliminate all of the the, the liquid vegetable oils, mm-hmm. canola, soy, uh, uh, cottonseed, all of those, and uh, to drastically reduce the uh, seeds and nuts yes. uh, and uh, natural foods that contain a lot of them, mm-hmm. and to avoid the fatty fish and the, the low-fat fish, cod and so on, uh, oysters, squid, uh, are, are very low in the uh, omega-3 uh, fats, uh, and so they're safer. Very good. Um, well, I've held you here quite a quite enough time, I guess. We've been a little over an hour. But uh, before I let you go, how can people learn more about you? I know there is even a website that's called the Ray Pete Forum where there's a lot of people kind of uh, picking, I, I, picking up what you're putting down, but I don't know that you're actually there, right? <laughs> no, no, I've, I've never participated okay, in that. Okay, okay. Uh, um, but as far as, like, I know they can go to com and they can find all your um, blog posts there as well. And can you tell them about your newsletter as well? Uh, yeah, it's um, published every other month. Uh, so a, a 12-issue subscription is for two years, and that's $28 by email. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll be sure to include the, the information for that in the show notes as well. Uh, Dr. Pete, you've been more than generous with your knowledge and your time, and I just really appreciate everything you've done. Um, I wanted to say if you would be willing to share with my listeners your age, because I really am so impressed with how many years you've been doing nutrition. How old are you? 82. 82. And you are, I I just wish I had a penny-sized amount of the knowledge that's in your head. So hopefully you'll keep podcasting with me if we can do this again. I would love that because I have more and more and more and more I want to talk to you about. (laughs) Can we do that sometime? Oh, sure. Oh, great. Okay, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, so you guys check him out, raypeat.com, and be sure to, um, you know, even... Maybe send him an email. I know sometimes he's able to check emails if you have a pressing question, but otherwise be sure to sign up for that newsletter because he's got some great topics that come out in those that are just a plethora of information. So thanks again, Dr. Pete. Yeah, go ahead. Did I mention that uh, to get the 
newsletter at gmail.com. Okay, great. Yeah, and I'll put that in the show notes, and I think there's a way they can pay through PayPal to do that, too. So, wonderful. Thanks again. Thanks for listening, everyone. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next time. Bye for now. Keto Crunch, and my daughter, my toddler, loves these. These are little cheese crisps, and they're made from dairy that's without growth hormone, no artificial flavors, no gluten, and they're a nice healthy fat, so it's pretty cool. Check them out, drop an fbomb.com, and use the code GETFIT to save 20% off your purchase. That's GETFIT to save 20% off your Keto Crunch purchase. You better hurry, because the last time I checked, they were sold out so i'm assuming they're going to be getting some more but uh, keep checking back these are wonderful if not for you then for the little one in your life to take on the go with you